Welcome to Worship at Grace Lakin. This service was recorded on May 1st, 2022. Pastor Rem Dias continues the Mark series with a gospel message from Mark chapter 2, 13 through 17, titled Pointed Fingers or Open Tables.
to worship you, to rest in you, to bring our burdens to you, to bring our struggles to you, God. And we just, we come here today to leave it all here. We know that the, the fight has already been defeated. Justice has already been served. You've paid for everything we've done wrong. And you've also paid for every wrong that's been done to us. Lord, help us just to, to come in grace today, grace for ourselves, for all the mistakes that we've made this week in our lifetimes and the mistakes we're going to make. Let us just come with grace for ourselves, with grace for our neighbors, grace for our family members. Remember that, that none of this is something we've earned or deserved, but it's a, it's a gift you've given. Lord, help us just to sit and rest in that joy, in that gratitude of all that you've done for us. Help us to show your love, be the light and the salt for this community and the world throughout the week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Well, if you have a if you have a worship guide, you can grab it and on the back. Uh, we're, again, uh, you know, we uh, we don't want to get hyper familiar with things. Uh, and I would say the same thing with even just liturgy, even with song. Um, I think one of the dangers in the Christian walk is getting hyper familiarized with something that almost loses its wonder. Uh, and so, um, yeah, as we, as we come to the scripture again, you know, I put one in here that might be a little more blunt. Because uh, I feel like this sermon's a little more blunt. Because Jesus is a little more blunt today. Um, and and here's, here, here it is. This is Matthew 5, 23 through 24. It says this. You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable, liable to the council, and whoever says, You fool, will be liable to the, to the hell of fire. So, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. And so I want to throw this in here again at a renewal because, um, again, my seminary professor, he said, make sure you... If you have a time of confession and then a time of assurance of pardon, you remind your people of this text over and over. Because what we can do is we can come and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for all the things that I've done this week and this and that. But you have an offense against a brother. And God's like, okay, I'll forgive you, but go and reconcile. Go ask forgiveness. Um, and so I would just encourage you. Um, yes, let's come before God in time of sign, prayer, and confession. But I would also ask you guys again, who's wronged you? Or maybe who have you wronged? And who do you need to say, hey, brother, sister, will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? Um, and so I just want to keep that in, in, in front of us as we come to a time of sign, prayer, and confession. So let's, let's take that in Basically, that Sermon on the Mount, you're showing us just how quickly we can fall. And, uh, Father, how desperate we are in need of your grace. And, Lord, uh, I'm thankful. You know, I, I'm really thankful for how you're meeting here. Um, and I just pray continually, Lord Jesus, you would help us to love one another really well. <laughs> um, I pray that you're Holy Spirit would give us the courage. If, if I said that, I don't know if that was for anybody, Lord. And um, I do feel like you, you wanted me to put that in this renewal. So, Lord, if there is someone who has wronged someone this week, and they know it, Lord, give them the power and the, 
the strength to go and reconcile, to ask for forgiveness. Um, because in all the while reminding their own hearts, that's what you did for us. Receive grace again, give grace, Lord. And we are so thankful for the ways you pursued us. And may we do the same to our brothers and sisters. And so, uh, again, Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for your presence here. Help us to slow down and be present. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, our assurance of pardon comes from Hebrews 10, through 20, 21 through 22. It says, since we have a, a great priest over that house of God, let us draw near. Everybody say, draw near. Say, draw near. That's better. With a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Amen. Hey, I would invite you to stand as we continue to draw near to the Lord uh, through song.
Well, how are we doing? Good. 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 Was that your track? Oh, it was Tom. Hey, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Good. Good. Well, uh, hey, I am. I'm excited uh, again to dive into to Mark. And if you have your scripture, we'll be in Mark two. Mark two, and we're going to be thirteen through seventeen this morning. Uh, shorter passage, but a lot here. A lot here. Uh, and so, if you have your Bible, again, I encourage you. Bring your own Bible. It's a, it's a good habit to have. And you can mark up, you can highlight in your own Bible. But if not, I will have it on the screen again um, this morning. So here, let's, let's dive in. Let's dive in. Mark 2, sorry, verse 13. Here we go. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Son of Alphaeus sitting at a tax booth and said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at table in the house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Um, so I'm titling this message, Pointed fingers or open tables? Turn to your neighbor and say, pointed fingers? And point your finger in their face, by the way. You can do that. Pointed fingers and then turn to your other neighbor and say, or open tables. All right. That's okay. We're getting better. We are getting better, guys. You are getting better. Proud of you. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, I, I thank you so much again for the way uh, that you're moving. I thank you for this passage, and you know this passage this week for me has been one of constant repentance, uh, and also one that's troubled me a little bit, um, and Lord, I pray that you would just help us to sit under the beauty of what's here, and help us also just to have hearts to receive it. Please, Lord, I pray for the Pharisee here this morning. Um, that, Father, they would repent of their goodness. I pray for the one that feels again like Levi. Like just so sinful. They would hear your call. Saying, hey, I'm going to die with you. And that they would turn from those ways and find a bigger anchor for their soul. And so, please, Spirit, just do what only you can do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, I heard a story this week from a pastor uh, that someone in his congregation, uh, this, this lady came and said, hey, will you take uh, my husband to play a round of golf, 18 holes of golf, for his birthday? And, and I was like, wow, that's pretty interesting. You know, like, it's a big thing for this pastor to take this guy to play golf. And if you're thinking, like, that would be, like, your birthday gift to play golf with me, 
Uh, go ahead, but and, and that'd be great. Um, but you will definitely win. I'm terrible at golf. Uh, but I would love to play golf. But anyway, and, and, and so they go play golf, and they're they're playing golf. Um, and I'm sure the pastor won because the spirit's on his side, and everything's great. Um, and and but they they go to the they, they go to the men's grill afterwards in the country club, and they have you know lunch, and, and then they're you know, they have lunch, and he's. You know, the guy who invited him, uh, he leaves. Uh, but he kind of lingers at his car because the pastor doesn't leave. And the pastor then goes, gets up, and he goes into the bar area of that country club. And now this guy's watching him, and he's kind of leaning at him. And he sees this pastor go and sit with these riffraff. Like, he knows that these, these guys are clearly sinners. They're, you know, having a good time at the country club. And he goes, sits with them. And high-fiving them and having a good time with them. And it totally upset this guy. So much so that they, it, 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 he goes home. He calls all of the elders at the church, the board of directors. This guy's on a big, he calls them. And he's like, we've got to get this pastor fired because he's mingling. And he says this, he's mingling with great He's mingling with these sinners. And I heard that, and I'm going to tell you, that happens a lot to pastors. Uh, and I haven't been in, in ministry, um, youth, I've youth ministry for 11 years, but um, that's happened to me at occasion of people like, hey, what, who are you hanging out with? And I, I really want you to see, here's the rub in Mark 2. Here's the rub in Mark 2. Jesus calls and be friends, tax collectors and sinners. All right, he's he's befriending the worst of sinners. Which you here's the here's the deeper point, which is by the way you and me. <laughs> it's you and me. And often, if we are not careful, guys, if we're not careful, we are. We hear a story like that, and we read a passage like that, and we think, oh my goodness. I nobody would be like that guy. I wouldn't do that to that pastor. Like what? I, I would don't. And I'm like, no. We are often a whole lot more like that guy. Um, I'm not a big fan of casting crowns. I don't know if you are. Um, sometimes I think the music's a little cheesy. But uh, um, sorry if that offends you. Uh, but one of their songs is uh, uh, I love it. It, it has um, it's called Friend of Sinners. And again, it's just like nah, it whatever. But uh, this. Here's the line in Friends of Sinners. Um, if this is your favorite song, man, I'm just now realizing. I'm so sorry. This is a great song. Uh, but it says this. Oh, Jesus. He says, oh, Jesus, friend of sinners, open our eyes to the world at the end. And everybody, let's be, everyone go like this. Put your finger up. At the end of our pointing fingers. Oh, Jesus, friend of sinners, open our eyes to the world at the end of our pointing fingers. And oh, let our hearts be led by mercy. Help us to reach out with open hearts and open doors. Oh, Jesus, friend of sinners, break our hearts for what breaks yours. Uh, and I, I was deeply convicted again and moved in this text because I'm going to tell you, as your pastor, I've done a whole lot more of this. It's like, man, pointing fingers instead of, hey, open doors and open heart to those who are broken and in need. So that's kind of where we're going this morning. I'm going to ask three questions as we go through this text. Who does Jesus call? 
Who does Jesus call? How do we miss his call? And how do we join him in his call? Okay? So that's where we're going. So who, who is Jesus calling? How do we miss his calling? And then how do we join? So let's look at that first one. Who does Jesus call? And you can see this in verses 13 and 15. And this is who Jesus called. Jesus takes time to see. Everybody say see. Good. See and call scoundrels. See and call scoundrels. So look at the text with me. Verse 13 says, And he went out again beside the sea of Galilee. I mean, beside the sea. And this is the Sea of Galilee, okay? He's again, um, uh, this is a fishing community. And it says, All the crowd was coming to him. And he was teaching them. Again, I want you to circle the word teaching. I had you circle last, but this is now the sixth time Jesus is saying, "This is what I'm doing." And this, but this is a really, this is a really interesting time. He says this though, because where is he teaching? He's by the sea. He's out like walking by the sea. And and again, this is a fishing community. And why is that really amazing? It's because Jesus is bringing the word to people where they are at. Hey, listen, it's cool that you're here this morning. Get yourself a little pat on the back. You got here at 9 a.m. That's a big deal. Okay? Uh, but, and, and we, we hear the preached word in here, but let me just encourage us how we get in the word where people are at. Right? That's great. You're here hearing the preached word, but how are we going to infiltrate and get like it, bringing the word to where people are at? Where they are already, maybe how are we getting it more in the school? How are we getting the word of God more in, in the farms and the, the hospital and just around in our community? How is the word permeated? And so, again, that's a whole side point, but it, that's, that's what Jesus is doing. And then it says this, and then he passed by and he saw Levi. Everybody circle that word saw in your Bible. That's where we come to this. He saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. I love this. All the crowds around. All the crowds around. Still following Jesus. There's people everywhere. And it says that he saw Levi. And who's Levi? He is sitting in that text booth. He is a tax collector. And you might be like, wait, who? Levi? Who is this? Like, what? Like, so this is Matthew. Okay, so the other the other parallel accounts of this passage, it does say it's Matthew. Uh, there is some debate of how, why his name changed, and some think that Jesus just gave him that tagline, um, like a nickname. Uh, but what's really interesting, and I think it, I'm, I'm, I'm with most scholars on this, because Matthew means gift of God. And what a cool thing. Think about it. Jesus looking at Levi, he was a tax collector, and then says, now, I'm going to call you Matthew, gift of God. Um, so he calls Matthew, this is Matthew, the tax collector, but you've got to understand something about tax collectors. And if you're familiar with the Bible, and this might be not completely new to you, but tax collectors were scum. I break a boom. There you go. Uh, because here, here's why. You know, um, the Jews were under Roman oppression. Okay, so the Jews hated Rome. They, they hated the Romans under them, but they hated tax collectors even more. Because tax collectors were Jewish people, okay? They were Jewish people working for Rome. Going about taxing people. And you're like, man, I don't really like paying my taxes. You know, IRS people like what? But what's the big deal with that? What's the big deal with that? Like, I, I do that? Here's the big deal. They were corrupt dudes. 
Uh, okay, so they would they would overtax. All right, so um, I, last week I was on seventy, and oh my gosh, seventy across Kansas. You just need a that's a moment you need to turn some music on, you need to praise the Lord or something, but or just Lord help me see the beauty, and, and it is it's beautiful. Um, <laughs> but man, seventy across. But once you get to the toll booth, you're like, oh, yes, the promised land. There's going to be greenery. And anyway, uh, so I get to the t- I get to the tax, you know, not the tax booth, but you know, you go to that, you go through the toll way. Okay, imagine this. Okay, you go to the toll way, and they give you a little ticket, right? I know everyone's been through. Maybe I don't know. Okay, all right, and, and you go, and then you get to the next one. Now I want you to imagine this happens to you. You go and you turn in your little ticket. And up pops the thing, and this thing was four bucks. I'm like, whoa, hey, you know, it used to be two fifty, like four bucks. Uh, and so, anyway, I put the little thing in there, and it says four bucks. But then imagine it said four bucks, but and the guy says, but I'm, I'm going to charge you a thousand. But no, you're like a thousand, and you would have to pay it, or you would get arrested. You get arrested, drug, and and it'd be in in for you. Think about that. Think of how much you would just say, I cannot stand that person. And this was happening over and over. All the Jews, these, these guys were rolling with money. I love it. I love it how one um, commentator says, he says, a modern day parallel to a tax collector might be a pimp who is also a drug dealer who runs an adult film studio on the side and funnels the profits to support terrorism around the world. That's fun. Let's invite that guy over for lunch. But like, I want you to think about like, this is who Jesus saw. And I thought about that, like, in the midst of a blowing up ministry, all these people around, his teaching, he takes time. Everyone's probably wants to throw a bomb at his booth. And Jesus is just like, he's looking at it. He's seeing him. He's slowing down enough to be present in the moment to call Levi, to see Levi in the stuff he's in and to call him out of it. And I was so convicted this week because I thought about just how present Jesus was in the moment. And I started thinking, and write this down in your heart and mind, one of the greatest gifts you can give anyone is your presence. One of the greatest gifts you can give anyone is just being present. Slowing down enough to actually look at people. I was in a seminary class called uh, Servant Leadership, and it was just broke me. Um, we had to read this weird book, and I was in my Pharisee heart, like, just as a super Christian. And um, it was called The Starfish and the Spider. And in this book, he explains that how if you if you want to be a catalyst leader, um, what makes the, the great tools of a great leader is you actually have a genuine interest in people. <laughs> you actually care about people. And uh, and then he says in this book, really really comically, he's like he's like if you have a genuine interest in people, there really shouldn't be anything as a boring conversation. And I thought, wait, what? And he said this. He said, in fact. If you ever find someone boring, it's only because you, the listener, haven't asked the right questions and found the person's true passions. 
thought about that. And I thought about what Jesus is doing here. That guy, Jesus could be present with anybody. And how many times have we rushed? And then again, preaching my own heart. Have I rushed to the next ministry thing? Trying to save people. And I can't look at that person at a DG. You know, that DG trip. No one wants to go to DG here. Like, I don't know, maybe Dollar General. That's what I mean by DG. I nickname it. And you, you're like, ah, it's like the spot you have to go because you don't want to go to garden. And you're rushing in there and you're going through it and you're kind of just going through the day. And, you know, the wife already told you to go get this for dinner. And you're like, ah. And you just, you miss people. Or you're at, you know, Bob's, or you're at, you know, the, the, the track meet or the soccer game, and you're, you're how many, how are you, how are we, and I'll just push you, like, I don't know what it is practically for you, but how are you, like, I know some things in my heart the Lord's been teaching me, is like, I need to say no to some things and slow down, but how are you slowing down enough to realize that ministry takes place in the ordinary people? It's in the ordinary that God often moves and are we present enough to see people? Yes, we're going to plan big outreach events and things here, and that's great. But it's going to be in the present, everyday moments that this church is, I think, is going to grow. When people actually, like us, actually giving care for people. Slowing down enough to see and be present. And then, so, I love this. He calls them, and then he ditches Everything. <laughs> he ditches his tax booth. He leaves it behind. And you, you can't go back. You can't go back to your tax booth. Or you can get it away, Jose. You can't go back. He ditches it. And then guess what he does? He throws a party. He legit throws a party. This isn't just like casual. Like, Come over to my house. No, this is like feast party. And then look what the text says, verse 15. And as he reclined at table in the house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Now, I read this, and I've read this passage again. I'm not saying this is the real way to go, but I've read this text a lot. And, you know, sometimes when you come, I'm like, what am I going to say? Uh, but the Lord showed me something here. Really interesting because Jesus is reclining. And by the way, this is so cool. We've got to get this. We've got to get back to this. They even have a U-shaped table with these cushions on the ground, and they would be laying on each other, eating, reclining. I mean, that I don't know. Like I might be the first one to move that. I'm getting rid of my table. I'm going to the cat. You know, let's eat on the floor, laying around. Okay. Uh, and so Jesus is there eating with, I mean, put yourself, and we often, this is what we do, we always focus on the fact that he's eating with tax collectors and sinners. And that's a huge deal. These were like prostitutes, drug dealers, scum. I mean, I mean, think about it. I mean, the worst of worst are he's sitting there, think about that, eating. It's only a good deal. But here, here's the new focus. Who also is in the room? The disciples. And who at this moment? He's got four at this moment. And all four are fishermen. Okay? Check with me. Okay? All four are fishermen. Now, where was Jesus when he called Levi? He was by the Sea of Galilee. What, what was the number one business? 
And around the Sea of Galilee, fishing. It was all about fishing. And so why would, okay, yeah, where are we going to put our tax booth? Oh, yeah, right there next to the sea. So that way when God come out with, uh, you know, the, the, the Sea of Galilee, that the tax collectors, they're ready to give them a tax. So imagine this. There's many tax collectors, Levi included. So the very guys that were, that, again, they were fishing their whole life, more than certain were being taxed unjustly by Matthew. And his disciples are like, I remember that guy. That guy, oh, I remember that guy. He got, like, I only had 10 fish one day. He taxed me for 10,000 fish. Oh, and Jesus is like, it's all come together. One, uh, one scholar said it would be like, it's like 1940 Berlin, and you have four Jews and a German Nazi SSS lieutenant. Coming together and making a team. That's a great team, right? You think, but that's the kingdom. That's the kingdom. That's how the kingdom works. And I just thought, man, please know as we plant a church in a small community, are you kidding me? Everyone's like, man, Rim, are you sure? Like, rural community? Like, don't you know everyone knows each other? Like, yeah. And if we are going to want to grow, listen, there might be those people who walk in these doors. Or maybe they're already here. <laughs> maybe they're already here. And, and listen, Jesus always knocks down the wall of hostility. And do you want to know something? The only thing binding all of these people together, think about it, this huge piece was Jesus. And that was more than enough. He was their focus. He changed their life. Whatever background, Jesus was enough. I love that. I love that. And I, I also want you to see here, though, again, who Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling these tax collectors and these scum. See, Jesus is against everything yet I feel like our culture is just so like man Jesus' kingdom is so different than how our culture works. We want to present these beautiful resumes. Lord qualify you know, you know we just want high qualifications and letters behind our name. And Jesus is like actually like, it's your disqualification that actually qualified qualifies you. And I was thinking about it, like, it's like applying, imagine, imagine you were applying for a job, and you wrote on your cover letter, um, I don't deserve this job in any way. And that's what your cover letter said, I don't deserve this job. You had your name on top. And then you signed it. And then for your resume, you had your contact information, all right, your email, and then it said this. And, and you just start listening to your resume. I'm angry. I have sexual brokenness in my life. I blew it in my marriage. I'm a chain, a train wreck of a parent. I eat too much. I drink too much. I have difficult family relationships. I'm depressed. I'm shameful. I'm isolated. 
I'm alone. I have extreme bitterness. <laughs> Looking forward to hearing your call. <laughs> Who's calling that guy? Who's calling that girl? Yeah, oh yeah, I'm going to get that. And Jesus is saying, I want you. That's what this text is saying. Jesus is like, that actually qualifies you. Come on. Let me take you. Let me recline that table to you. Jesus is no way, con- I mean, commending sinfulness here. It's not like, oh, stay in it. No, he's like, hey, let me recline that table. Let me meet you where you're at. Like, that is the resume. That, that's who I'm actually calling. I got people who are broken and hurt. And, so come on. But here's the tragic thing of this passage. Some miss that. Some miss that. And it might not be who you think. So that's who he's calling. So how do we miss it though? How do we miss that call? And it says, Jesus confronts the sick who don't know they are sick. So this is, this is who misses it. Those that don't know they're sick. Um, and so this is verses 16 and 17. So 16 goes on and says, And the scribes and the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors. Now notice, Jesus, I have to circle it, saw Matthew... These Pharisees see these, you know, these tax collectors and sinners as well. And they're going to have two totally different reactions. And so it goes on and it says the, um, and it said to the disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now the Pharisees were no way in this home. They would have never gone into the feast. I mean, seriously, they would have never gone in. So imagine these guys just lurking around the outside of this house, like, Look, peering in, looking in, like, oh my goodness, what can you do? Hey, hey, bro, come here, look at this. They said, bro, and, you know, back in the day. And they looked and said, hey, can you imagine? Can you, can you? Like, that's that guy. That's that guy. Jesus is eating. Like, and you have to understand the Pharisees again. The Pharisees were the most religious elite. Top dudes. In our context, we call, we, we label Pharisees as a legalist. It's a bad thing in our culture, but in that day, if you were called a Pharisee, you'd be like, that's a kind of a a high calling. That's a cool thing, because you're the the religious elite. You had all the law. You knew everything. You you were so great. But listen, I have a a book on my shelf that haunted me the day I saw it in in a home crossway or whatever, and then I bought it, and I probably didn't read it for two years, and then I skimmed it, and that's how it works, but... Um, I, I, it's called the accidental Pharisee because no one, listen, no one wants to, you know, be the type of person that like, oh yeah, I, I just love, I want to be a Pharisee. No, you fall into it accidentally because your religious zeal. Here's what happens to the Pharisees, and here, here's why Jesus had all this rough things to say to them is because their religious law and their, their, their zeal for religious law and duty driven strictness to, to hear it had made them their, again their hearts grow cold towards people they're concerned that they had so like all about the purity of the law but their hearts all the while were disconnected 
from people. And then verse 17, Jesus just hits them. He says, Jesus heard it and said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus has said, hey, a doctor, by the way, Pharisees, is no use to you if you don't know you're sick. See, the gospel is only exciting news. The gospel is only exciting news. It gets people fired up if you're, listen, if you know you need it. And I would just say, if you feel like in your Christian walk, you're, like right now, like if your heart is being maybe cooled for Christ, maybe one of the things that you need to be aware of is maybe you, you don't need to repent from your outright tax collector, this outright rebellion against God, but it might be, as one theologian says, he says, your greatest obstacle to God is your goodness. Then he says, your damnable good record. So many of us, listen, a lot of us might come in here and say, yes, I need to repent for the ways I've morally rejected God, but a lot of us, we, we often don't do this in church. You might need to repent from your goodness. You thinking that in your own strength, you're good. And you, you're good. I'm good because of what I've done. And listen, that is a self-right person. That's self-righteousness. Your self-rightness. And it comes out in all kinds of ways. And I'll just give you maybe one for me. I found myself saying to my kids a lot, and maybe others, and it, it, it see if you can relate. I'm probably just, you know, just bashing myself, but you say something like this, I can't believe you would do such a thing. Remember you said that? I can't believe you would do that. You know what you're saying in that moment, really? I'm so much more righteous than you. And shame on you. I'm sorry, boys. I love you. Man, and, and like, I, that happens. I can't believe you would do that. How many times have you said that about someone, maybe your neighbor, or you're like, I can't believe they would do that. You know what you're saying? I'm so righteous. <laughs> so glad I'm not like them. Or you could come out of just a coarse joke that you make about someone politically different than you, socially different than you. Maybe they're a sinful, and you make a joke about it, and it doesn't bother you. Listen, the greatest barrier, one of the greatest barriers of the ministry of Grace Laking going forward is going to be thinking we have it all figured out, no one else does. Our self-righteousness. Nothing kills ministry faster than a bunch of people who think they're self-right. I've heard it actually said, I've heard it said here, and I've, every church always loved this word, you know, or good church, like we want gospel diversity here. I've heard it here. Like we want to grow with gospel diversity. We're all about welcoming the broken and the needy. Like, oh yeah, come on, bro. Like, like let's read our good articles about how we can reach the lost and broken. Everyone loves those words. The gospel centered, gospel driven. Let's get messy for the gospel. Okay. Okay. One pastor who was <laughs> preaching the same text said. Kind of the same thing I'm saying right here. And he said, okay, let me, let me just paint a scenario for you. If that's what you want, imagine this. This is his words. He said, imagine 
Next Sunday, he's like, what, what would make your, your heart rejoice? Next Sunday, five new families come in here that are pretty good families in our community. You know, well-liked, you know, nicely dressed, you know, good people, you know, good families. Woo! Is your heart rejoicing? Yeah. Or is your heart rejoicing more if the first couple that comes in here next Sunday kind of sneaks in the back is a lesbian couple? And then the next couple that comes in, and our next person who comes in is a blind man, completely having all kinds of different ailments and, you know, really telling, like, whoa, this person needs. And then the next person who comes in is that person in the community everybody knows. Like that person. They have, man, they are twisted. They are, they've been, they have backstabbed people. They have, they are known in our community. And then the next person who walks in is someone so the furthest thing from you politically. Just way the other way. And you, yeah. And then the next, maybe three or four people are the high school students. who are like, bro, yeah. Where's your heart rejoicing more? Where would our heart rejoice more? And listen, I am not more chaos. <laughs> like, I'm good, you know, hey, we do decent, let's do everything decently in order. I'm all about that. Like, Good sound doctrine, and Jesus again is no way commending sinfulness. But you better be ready. If we are going to do gospel centered ministry, it's going to look messy. It's going to look messy, people. And do you want that? Like, is the, this church, is it, if it's going to really get, you know, what we want to be about here, you know, being for the least of these and not just us, you know. Swapping on people from other churches, it's gonna be us being willing to get messy. Love people well, and it's gonna, ugh, it might be uncomfortable, but what are you, that's, people are messy. It's part of it. The gospel is greater, and we preach Jesus all the more. And so, listen, if I was thinking about it this week, if you got healed by a doctor, he's the greatest doctor, why would you not want other people to know that doctor? Then I was also thinking about this week, what, what good, like imagine this, what good would it be if a, you know, there's this amazing doctor, so good, and all these resumes, amazing doctor, and you wanted to, you wanted to be a, go see this doctor, and you know, he had this huge practice, and you go up, and then the, everyone at the practice is like, well, we actually don't, we don't see sick people. We actually, no, it's just only healthy people here, okay? Okay, you got, don't come, you, you got something wrong with you, don't come in. We, 100% healthy is what we're for. You'd be like, what in the world? Like, uh, okay, um, I want to, you know, what? And in the real way, do you realize, like, Listen, the church is coming alongside this great doctor and we are 
we are supposed to be filled with the Spirit, moving out to be these doctors to this hurt and broken world. And what good it, would it be if it's, we just said, hey, make sure everyone, you just, we're just, we're, we have Christ, they can lead us. We are put to and You better be clean. One of my good pastor friends used to say, he said, um, you know, Jesus, well, he said, we tend to correct before we connect. That stuck with me. We, we tend to correct. We want to correct before we actually connect with people. And Jesus connected. He built relationships with people. He befriended the least of these. And he moved toward them. Again, not committing their sinfulness, but willing to, to love and encourage them. As I land the plane, Brent, it's for you. As I land the plane, I wanna I wanna say this. Um, I love what famous Puritan, and if you if your heart's you know stagnant in your devotional life, read some Puritans, and I, I tell you that. Yeah. So Thomas Goodwin, he said this: the divine physician has a remedy for every kind of misery. So as I land, I want to first talk, and I prayed all week for someone to walk in here who is sitting at a tax collector booth, feeling again so unworthy, feeling so heavy, feeling guilt, feeling shame, all those things on the resume, you probably took 10 of them, so that's definitely me. Listen, Jesus is the divine physician and he can heal any brokenness in your life. Any misery, any pain, he loves you. He wants you to turn from that. He wants to heal that. He's not pointing his finger at you in the way he's moving towards you this morning saying, hey, come on. I'm the physician who can heal that. And then on the other hand, I want to talk to and in talking to the self-righteous in here. One band I found this week, and it was just kind of just, I don't know, it's kind of cool. I found this random band. Uh, they have a song called Lay Your Deadly Doing Down, which if you know some good hymns, this that that phrase, Lay Your Deadly Doing Down, comes from an old, old hymn. Uh, and so they did a whole song off of Lay Your Deadly Doing Down. Uh, and here's, here's the last couple of verses of that song. It says, lay your deadly doing down. Down at Jesus' feet. Stand in Him and Him alone. Gloriously complete. Weary, working, burdened one. Why do you labor so? Cease your doing. All is done. On a cross long ago. Oh, to Jesus' work we cling, for our doing ends in death. All our trust in Him alone, and all our souls will find their rest. Meaning, you're deadly doing. If you're looking at more of what you have done than what Jesus has done, you need to lay that down. It's only the righteousness of Christ. It's only the righteousness of Christ that will heal a broken heart.
And so I would just encourage you, number one, rest in this divine position. And number two, how are we joining Jesus and moving out, dropping our goodness and moving out and befriending our tax collectors and sinners? Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for this text. And I, uh, I pray that, uh, Father, you would... Right now, I pray for those that, again, maybe just feel like, like Levi. Maybe they just, yeah, again, they're, they're stuck in that misery. Lord, I pray that they would hear your gospel call. That it's just repentance, turning from that sinfulness and faith in you, Jesus. That you, oh, you died on that cross for, their, for that sin-sick heart, and I pray, Jesus, that however you want to work that in their life right now, I pray the Spirit, Lord, they would just be turning to you in this moment. Right now, they wouldn't be ashamed. They wouldn't worry about what people are going to think if I drop. Like, they would just be turning to you, putting their faith in you, dropping that, and dropping their tax bill, dropping that lifestyle, and coming and following and reclining at a table with you, enjoying fellowship with you. Holy Spirit, do that in their life. And Father, I pray that you would forgive us for times that we have been self-right. Times that people in here, we've just said, you know what? We're good. You don't really need Jesus' goodness and his righteousness. Lord, would you continue to help us see our desperate need of your grace? And give us eyes to see those in this community, why you wanted this church here, who we could reach better, how we can go about it, Give us vision, give us passion, give us energy. Help us to be preaching to Jesus we need a whole lot. Open up doors this week for us to share the gospel. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, as we approach the table this week, um, you know, the, the reason why, uh, again, Jesus is this divine physician is because the physician actually trade places with the sick person on the bed. You know, the, the sick person is actually, Jesus said, I'll, I'll take it and I'll take on the sickness and I'll actually, to the point where I'm going to uh, shed my blood and have my body be nailed to a cross. So you could and I could be forgiven. And so I want to I read the words of the institution. So clearly stated in 1 Corinthians, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was portrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he said, Hey, this is my body. Just for you. Take me. And likewise, after supper, he took the cup and he said, hey, this is the cup. This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which was shed for you. Do this as often in remembrance of me. In remembrance of me. And so I, I want to remind you again of, of what this is, is, is what we're really doing. We're, this, this sacrament doesn't just come up in and you, you have your sins forgiven. This is the sacrament doesn't cleanse sin. Jesus is the one who cleanses sin. The sacrament enters in and the Spirit uses it to draw you closer to that union with Him. 
And so the reason I want to say that is because, again, I want to reiterate, this is not, um, this is not the, the table of our certain denomination or the grace lady. This is Christ's table. This is his invitation. And his invitation is for those that are in Christ, those who are walking with Jesus. This is for the believer. And if you're not a believer, if you're still trying to figure Jesus out, I just ask you to sit in the pew and be blown away with who he is and put your faith in him. Look at the sacrament. And oh my goodness, Jesus actually broke his, you know, his body, nailed to a cross and shed his blood for me. Yes. And I also want to remind us, do not rush this. Yeah, we got other things coming in. But, you know, just take your time. Prepare your heart as you come to the table. Okay? And, yeah. Um, let, me, let me bless the, the table. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would just come and just, man, would you, Holy Spirit, would you just move in us? Would you move us? Would you draw us nearer to you by this amazing sacrament that you've given us? Thank you for it, Lord. Just bless these simple elements of this juice and this bread that it would stir our affection for you. It would strengthen that tight-knit relationship with you, Lord. So help us. Help us to examine our hearts right now. To come with awe. To come with reverence. As we partake in the sacrament. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I forgot to mention this last time. We do again have gluten-free. For those who need gluten-free here, just come and turn. Uh, yeah, if you need that. But also we are doing uh, intinction again. So that just means you come up and get your hearts ready. You tear a piece of the bread. You will dip it in the cup. And then you will just return to your pews. So if if uh, you would, when your heart's ready, come and receive the sacrament.
this sacrament, and Lord, I pray that you would remind us of it, you know, throughout this day. Lord, uh, you are amazing work that you've done despite us. And so, Lord, we thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Ah, oh, man. Good stuff. Uh, today's tithes and offering, um, Hebrews, you can see it there in your worship guide. Hebrews 13.6 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Um, I love that. It's like, it's, it's good for you. It's good for us to, to share what the Lord has given us. And so if your heart is stirred to give, again, it's part of an act of worship. Um, I encourage you to do so. There's um, a black box right when you exit the sanctuary on the left. Ways to give online and ways uh, you can just drop an envelope in there. So uh, I encourage you to do so. But if you would stand for our closing song, that would be great.
Amen. Amen. I always want to be like, hip it, hooray. I don't know, something. Like this. Um, go this week knowing that the divine physician, the divine physician has mercy for any type of misery. Any type of misery. You can sing that right now and sing it the rest of this week. And share that with your neighbors, your friends, your family. Be blessed. Go in peace. Thank you for joining us at Grace Lakin. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Grace Lakin KS, on YouTube, and at gracelakin.com.